This is a very special kind of show. Uh, we've got a guest in studio. Ntlantla Lux is here with us. Uh, and before I even say hi, thank you very much for being early. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, as you've heard, phone lines have been flashing. People have got questions for you. Let me start off by saying, when we announced that you're going to be a guest in the show, I've never seen a reaction like this. Uh, even internally in the building, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I counted maybe six or seven people who all said they knew you personally. Sure. Uh, and then some of, the, some of the reaction was like intrepidation, I guess. Uh, and then the rest of them were like, okay, well, let's see what he brings. And I was like, okay, so why, why would you be apprehensive about it? And they said, because they don't know you in this capacity. Sure. Which then led me to believe that I guess you must have lived a lot of lives. Uh, not really. Uh, if you were to describe yourself, yeah. how would you describe yourself to so somebody who doesn't know you? Yeah, but so you must understand I'm a guy that grew up in Soweto, slept in Soweto on the kitchen floor, Dunroom floor, but spent most of my days at St. David's Marist Nanda, one of the most richest um, environments that you can find school in, in, the, in the entire continent. Mm. So y- y- when you grow up in that type of environment where you're forced to live in two worlds, you, you have to adapt. Mm. When you go to St. David's, they tell you that, oh, this guy, Lux used to, this used to, and when you go to Soweto Kondovaya, they tell you, ah, Lux Kim so, 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 and those two people are completely different, but mm. they're the same person at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. As far as I remember, I don't think I've ever met you, uh, but you can remind me. Yeah. But obviously, obviously now with everything that's happening and you being part of the national discourse, uh, there's just certain things that I had to go back and watch about you, do yeah. research. And I found out that, one, you are a pilot. Is that true? That's true. Okay, so what, what type of pilot are you? Um, so I, I trained as a commercial pilot. I mm-hmm. ended up there. And I didn't pursue it simply because there was no business in it for a black child. Mm. Uh, you really need the strong networks. You really need, um, yes, as you really need a lot of money to do it. Mm. KFM actually once supported us during our times when we we're flying and we we're starting up our small airlines, and, and they said, "No, we're li- willing to listen." And that's mm. why I know a lot of people here because KFM actually gave us um, a little bit of airtime to push our business back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I know you did an interview on Uncle T show oh, back yeah, when Uncle yeah, Bob was yeah, still around. Yeah. You were regular in the building. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, and so what led you to get into that kind of business if later on you realize you, yeah. <sighs> there's no money in it? Um, no, no, th- there is a lot of money in aviation. Yeah. But you need to be set up different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people obviously think that we come from super rich families and we don't. Mm. Um, so just to break even point, it's not a, it's not a kawash. Own a kawash to break even point is like two grand that you need to have made and breaking even point nicely with whoever you, is probably working for you. You need probably half a million to break even point in aviation. Mm. It's tough. And when you when you don't have um, you know you, you don't have networks properly in the in the in the business and you know I wish I had the networks that people claim I have probably if I knew all these white people that are super rich that people <laughs> think I know I wouldn't even be sitting here I'd probably be doing something else. I'm glad you bring that up because yeah. when it comes to networks, you do seem to have rub shoulders with people that are powerful. Yeah. If the pictures are to be believed, the like for example, I've yeah. seen pictures with you with former president Khalema Motlante. Sure. Uh, obviously, Kurzov comes up pretty often. 
so yeah so i rub shoulders and nothing else yeah a lot of people rub shoulders and move on to rubbing other things well and that's you, why they get to where they get to you used to you used to do some work with the city of Joburg. I think back in about 2014, 2015. So you guys, you guys used to have um, uh, disky golf. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I know you did you did work with them. So so how did that come about? If you didn't have the networks, it wasn't actually the city of Johannesburg. It was uh, Houting Tourism. Mm-hmm. So Houting Tourism knew that we're the only few... I'm, I'm actually a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. I studied through the PGA. Mm-hmm. So um, we ran Soweto Country Club without when it was not fashionable to even play at Soweto Country Club. So the guys there were so open-minded to say that, what do we do for, for, for Soweto um, sports in Soweto and how do we participate in Soweto? And when they looked into Soweto, they found us because mm-hmm. we've always been on the ground in Soweto. And they're like, yo, do you mind that if we can come together, we do something nice because we need to bring investment in terms of tourism in Soweto? And they're like, oh, it's a pleasure, let's do it. And we did it. And that's how Disky Golf came. Every time Chiefs and Pirates played, we had Chiefs... Um, um, supporting golfers play against pirate supporting golfers mm-hmm. and then we play golf in the morning whoever wins um, it's like the derby whoever wins then they, they have the bragging rights for the day then they go to join their teams play at F&B Stadium watching them and you know meeting up with some of the players it was, it was a fantastic thing I mean it was just a nice sports package for tourism yeah. so that doesn't need connection it really needs you to be on the, on, on the ground working and be consistent then people recognize you and you just do what you have to do and it seemed like you were doing extremely well in business because, I mean, there was a time where you were driving a McLaren. Yeah. I saw pictures of that. Yeah, there's no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no problem with that. So and then what happens to your business? Are you still in business or yeah, have so, you moved away from it? So, so what's, what's important is that I own the businesses mm-hmm. and I can always put them on ice. I can melt the ice when I need to because, again, it comes with skill that no one can take. Education, that's why it's important. If I want to go back and, and do what I need to do, I can do it. I can drop everything now and do it. But because... I don't need to and I'm plugged in I'm very happy with what I'm doing I'm content with what I'm doing people are worried that you're going to get killed because you're too honest about this you're also going to die at some point you're probably going to die before me damn it so why live your life on your knees you might as well just live your life to the fullest if it means I must die when I leave Kai FM because some drug dealers know that I'm here right now so be it if it means I must get arrested right after this show because now Julius knows that I'm here so be it well, I hope it doesn't happen. I don't care if it happens or not. But then tell me, what informs the decision then to move from, which is essentially business, private sure. business, and you're doing well, yeah. to what you are doing now? There's always, there's always a trigger point. And I mean, yeah. look, again, just through research, I know you've always been politically aware. Yeah. Even as far back as ANC Youth League, before sure. Julius and them were expelled, sure. you were still a supporter of the ANC then. Big one. Right? Yeah. Well, so, not necessarily ANC. Mm. Because when, you, when you're doing politics, politics uh, at that age, mm. politics is your only reason within your environment, you see. Mm. So you're not, you don't understand international politics or national politics. Um, so it's like, um, what's, what's a good example? We, we, our interest in politics was just what was happening in Rao. Mm. Now it's no, known as UJ. Mm. So we, we, just, we just would just fight Rao politics and make sure that we get what we want in our space in the campus and life would go on. So that's what we regarded as politics. So it's really not an easy thing for me to answer if I was in politics before or not because it was just it was just one of those things. Like if you're an SRC and you're fighting for, for, the, for, for, for what the students want and they're fighting through you and you're the voice, the chosen voice, that was it. It wasn't really an, a thing that, you know, we go into conferences mm. and, we, and we are voting for this president and we are taking that one out. We never did did those type of things but what informed the decision then to move yeah. into what you're doing now currently yeah. so uh, you know my 
like I explained earlier on, I lived in two worlds mm. and that for a kid can be very traumatic. So I knew that uh, when I graduated out of St. David's um, and I went to varsity, then you, you realize that um, these two worlds need to come together at some point. And why did the universe conspire for me to, to have the experience, the knowledge of these two worlds? And I thought that is my natural um, responsibility to try to bring the worlds together because there's some there's there's a lot of things that white people are absolutely clueless about when it comes to realities of black communities and there's some things that black communities and black people um, that are clueless about it when it comes to white communities and white people in general mm. we just don't understand each other but yet we are all South Africans and it's a problem so I thought you know what I need to contribute the the little that life has given me in terms of knowledge experience traveling reading doesn't matter education and, and just give it back to people because I was blessed that I could hustle enough from an early age to make a little bit of coin and I live a totally independent life and probably that's why I've got I can afford to say that this is right this is wrong and and not you know because most most people in here know what's right is wrong but you dare say what's right is wrong then that name tag will be replaced in two seconds because you are here on condition I'm here not on anyone's terms but mine Mm -hmm. yeah Join the studio by Ntanta Lux. Uh, you can give us a shout if you've got any questions. 86 You can send us a voice note as well. 63 He'll be with us for the remainder of the show. Tell me something. Um, did you change your surname? No. So Ntanta Lux is, is not a full name. It's, it's like how Pro had Lindam Kize and Pro Kid. So what's your surname? Kimushaudi. Oh, but then why do people call you Ntanta Zamin? explain another time. What one to family, Ah, okay. On which side? Your mom or your dad's side? Mom's side. Oh, okay. Okay. No, understood. Uh, So, tell us about your dad, because you've spoken about this. Yeah. Uh, Pretty brazen oak. Yeah. Tell us about him. Well, my dad went by my Yeah. But my dad went by Strata. So... What that means is they were literally career criminals. Mm. So what they do is rob banks. At the time, it was post banks, post office. They rob the post office. They do what they do. And uh, their, their primary mandate was to, to support the liberation struggle through their criminal activities. And that was normal at the time, I guess. And they would steal cars just to transport things over the, the borders to go to different camps. They steal guns. They, they rob into... Um, I rob securities of their guns and take to camps. That those type of things, you know. Mm. So, so I know his personal life was also um, supported by by the thuggery, by the criminal elements. So mm. we didn't. I don't remember him ever having a proper job until um, we sat down and started business and started trading. Um, had a club in the east and calmed down a bit because he was a little bit old now. So and he passed away unfortunately. And generally, yeah. sorry about that. By the sure. way, I know it's yeah. been about a month. Sure. Generally. When people do that, they never tell their kids that that's what they do. Yeah. So the kids are none the wiser. Yeah. Did you know? Yeah. So they would plan the the robberies next to me. Mm. So I don't know why the hell they would do that, but I, I guess it conditioned me to be a little bit different. And, mm. and I don't take it for granted. I mean, some some kids would probably say that they need psych, psychologists and therapy sessions. I don't need none of that. Mm. It's just it was just my reality, and I accept it, and I can continue from it. So. Um, but there's a lot that he had to explain. He had to explain why the intercom at Parker's Primary School called me out of the class. And when I got to the office, I, before I even saw him, they called me, is that your dad? Mm. I said, yeah, yeah, that's my old man. I said, okay, we just wanted to verify because this man says he's your dad. I said, he is my dad. Mm. But what's the story here? Then he just has, has um, 
the, the, the refuse bags, the the, uh, the black ones, mm. full of cash. And he's paying school fees for me in this Lily White school from Standard 1 till, till Standard 5, mm. Grade 7, till I leave the school and pays all the school trips and pays everything. And later on, because, I mean, it's it's a thing now. People are talking about it. He had explained to me, he said, listen, um, we, we, but this he told me much later, not in that moment. So uh, we had come straight from robbing a bank and I knew that there'll, there'll be roadblocks to the hood because only us in the hood robbed the banks, the post mm. banks. And we just drove to your school and my, my share paid all your school fees because that's what I lived for you and, and the country. I had nothing else to live for. He wasn't the guy, the fleshy guy. Mm. My dad would probably have a million rand cash and still be eating papaka kalbis. Mm. That guy. And those, some of those values school can't teach you. So some of those, some of those things we do have and we've, we've, we've taken from them. And that's why we know how to take care of the communities. Because let me tell you, the OGs used to take care of communities. And come back with whatever it is from what they took, wherever, and come make and improve the communities. It's exactly what they did. And I guess the love for, for helping people also came from him and a lot from my mom, by the way, because they, they actually both have similar characters when it comes to trying to help people. And I just took it from home. And I guess for me, it's just times thousand. Mm. Yeah. Before the break, he was telling us about his dad and how much he had an influence on him. Uh, and it's kind of, it's ironic now because what you're involved in is actually fighting crime in your neighborhood, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so how did Operation Tudula begin? And maybe you can tell us about Soweto Parliament uh, as a whole. Look, Soweto Parliament is is a platform that we put together that is non-political mm. because you know growing up in a township as soon as you have confidence to challenge anything that's a social ill or anything that's to do with the community then everybody just suggests no you must join this what what so not everybody wants has an appetite for politics to be honest with you because mm. politics is a different ball game you know there's a young girl who is at who's at uh, UJ, who's doing her master's degree and just wants to contribute back or maybe perhaps works as a waitress somewhere and just wants to contribute as well in the development of the township but doesn't want to get into that environment where people are just shouting and, you know. So we created Soto Parliament so that we can do three things in our township. We can have um, political accountability, which also includes holding um, the law enforcement accountable for the development of the township because we're tired, sick and tired of seeing police being part of, part and parcel of the crimes in the township, taking the 20 run from drug dealers. We, this is the reality. I don't know why people don't want to speak about this, but anyway. When you say we, who is, who is we exactly? Who's we in Soweto Parliament? Yeah, because you say we, we created it. So obviously yeah, it's yourself so, so, and who else? Look, look, I came up with the concept. Mm-hmm. I proposed it to the communities and people joined and different wards joined and different people are doing different, um, are operating differently in different wards depending on the need of that ward. So when was yeah. this exactly? Flip, uh, we have 10 years back now deep. We've got walls we've built for grannies as, as projects back in the day when we were still younger. And we've got, th- there's, there's tons of projects that we've done in, t- in the communities. I mean, so where we can stand up and, and, and tell you all about that. Um, so that's it's political accountability, which is hold the councillors and, and government and police accountable. And the second one is economic accountability. We then say the businesses and the economy in our, in our township must play a, a direct, deliberate role in the development of our communities, um, which also addresses the job issues, etc., etc. Just before. My Ponyamol thing happened. We're actually talking to the delivery space in Soweto to say that we need to get um, a chance from the street corners to participate in this economy. And the guys, the, 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 the foreign guys that are literally 
operating in that space we're going to open the door and even teach some of these guys it was mm. done discussed and everything so um that's economic accountability social accountability is actually the most hardest is when we hold each other accountable and say but Cesar, you can't do this mm. Cesar, you've got a joint but you know you have to close early because then if the kids leave here at six on a monday morning we all look bad because they don't go to work they don't so it's, it's these are very hard conversations to have but um we have them regardless you know even the letter something that is underplayed in, in our black communities the letter small programs teach the kids how to take care of, of their environment i know politicians don't really really focus on those things they have other pr- things to focus on whatever those things are but w- those those are the small contributions that we've had and we continue to do as well to parliament operation Tutola is um is a, is a platform where military veterans from all vets from APLA MK came together and the community you know came together and said that some of the social ills there's violent crimes you know some things the ordinary person can't do and can't challenge in the communities then these guys are already sitting here with a lot of skill how do we then come together to combat some of these challenges and that's that's how operation Tutula started it's it's literally Tutula, meaning mm. to eradicate if I if I should put it in another language to eradicate all our social ills and anything that is a problem in our communities that we feel that we don't have any avenue that we can reach out to and to get help you know mm-hmm. so we we said we must be super active citizens and not expect um outside agencies to always come and save us we must do things ourselves as well and these people whoever it is that will come be it the president be it the minister mc they'll meet us halfway we can't just sit and do nothing and that's where all these things come from so i think it must have been 1996 if not 1997 i remember there was an organization that was formed called PAGAD, yeah. People Against Gangsterism and Drugs. Yeah. Uh, originated in the Western Cape and, sure. you know, obviously gangsters were a big thing there mm. uh, and obviously Mandrax was a big thing there. Mm. But the thing with that organization is that they were very violent. They would go out there and behead people and they wanted to make examples yeah. of drug dealers. Sure. Obviously, vigilantism not to be tolerated. That was my first time hearing of a vigilante group in the country. Yeah. How different are you guys from vigilante groups? If somebody calls yeah. you that. I'm sure, yeah, yeah well, you know, pe- a lot of people are trying to misconstrue what we actually are for the sake of whatever benefits they get out of it. But um, I don't think that we can ever be a vigilante group. You know, we take words for granted. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people listening that don't know what vigilante actually means, but they also probably just use it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are trying to enforce the law without authority, those people are just taking things in their own hands and without even, you know, guidance from, from, from. So that's just a, a loose explanation of what a vigilante group would generally do. So mm-hmm. we are not by any means that because if you Google anything that's to do with Operation Tutula, you always see a cop inside. Insight. So we always have an operation that's planned with, with SAPS and with Metropolis and all our marches. We, we submit and they, they part of, they part of, they part of the operation. So that can't be vigilante. All our arrests, whenever we're successful with our arrests, SAPS handles the arrest. How's that being a vigilante? But people go on with it and, and really do not want to be honest about the fact that there is a gap in our country that nobody addresses, a big a, a white elephant in the room. And we, we were brave enough and confident enough to say enough is enough. And we challenging it alongside Put South Africa First um, and many other um, civic movements that are aligned with our thinking and philosophies. So you mentioned authority, right? And authority is a funny thing because... In the absence of any authority, then literally anyone can assume it. 
So a very good example, you would have seen a lot of roadblocks. I mean, so traffic lights aren't working right now, right? And so what the people who would ordinarily be begging at traffic lights have now started doing is they are directing traffic. 100%. Uh, And for me, it's been interesting to watch and observe that these are the same people you wouldn't pay attention to ordinarily. But now, all of a sudden, because they're directing traffic, they assume the authority and people will stop when they 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 tell them to stop and they'll yield. And I think that's what's happening with you because with you guys... Under whose authority would you say you are operating yeah. and able to go there and make arrests yeah. or even search homes and businesses, etc. Sure. and so on? Yeah. So, again, we do not search homes and businesses, etc., etc. That's just what people say and people push the narrative. Why don't you just watch the video and, and make the decision without the noise? of what you are actually seeing. Half the people are defining us from what they've heard, not what they've experienced, read or seen. You see, so what I'm telling you now is very simple. So if you don't search your houses, then what do you do? We go in with the police. And if the police are there and we're doing it wrong, why aren't we getting arrested? Well, you can't go into private property without a warrant. No, no, then you must ask the police because we all have our role. That's why it's a joint operation. If the operation has to do with the pavement, then Metro Police is activated, not SAPS, because Metro Police, due restriction, are the bylaws. If it's to do with anything else, then SAPS knows when to activate itself. If it's to do with information coming from the community, we know better than we come. That's why it's a joint operation. So people, I do not understand with such simple English what they misunderstand from that. Yeah, so again, even if it was the SAPS themselves, yeah. they are not allowed to just barge into your house yeah. without a warrant. Yeah. So that is unlawful, even if it's SAPS. 100%. Sir. So maybe then you must call the commissioner and ask the commissioner why they authorize that part of the operation to happen, not Lux. So the commissioner does authorize it. Look, I'm saying you must ask them, hold them accountable and ask that, listen, are you, are you well equipped in terms of authority and everything and, and permits that you need for this type, of, this type of operation? Because I can't answer for the men in blue. I can't answer for the men in brown, nor can I answer for the men in orange in the city of Johannesburg, the Metro Police. Yeah, but you are the yeah. person that starts the operation. Yeah, look, if you say to me that there's, there's someone who is selling drugs, Mm-hmm. And what's your role in it? And I say, because I'm from the community side, I can get evidence, I can get videos, I can get Bokoko to come and tell us if that's true or not. I can get, I can get, I can get a hundred people to sign an affidavit and, and sign so that it makes our case strong. What's your role in it, Sizwe? No, I work at Kai FM, so I can broadcast that no, no to drugs and it's a good drug campaign. What's your contribution, um, perhaps, um, SEPs? No, because we've got the authority to arrest, we'll make sure, and if it goes bad, and then we'll be there to protect the community the print community will also be there. How dare then do I respond to anything that's to do with SAPS, Metropolis or anyone else? Well, let me explain, yeah, right? Sure. So if your objective is yeah. to uphold the law, yeah. there is the Criminal Procedure Act yeah. for that. Okay. So what you do is you then go and open up a case, yeah. which will be at whatever police station. Sure. A docket will be opened. They will then investigate the matter, yeah. right? Sure. Uh, they'll gather the evidence. Sure. And then the National Prosecuting Authority will determine, based on the evidence before them, whether they should arrest or apprehend that yeah. individual. Sure. Uh, that individual will then, they'll act accordingly. Mm. And then they'll be taken to our court system yeah. where they'll be tried and ultimately yeah. we'll know how things work. Yeah. So if you now circumvent that procedure, okay. that is vigilantism. Okay. So, it's, so you are also saying police of this country are vigilantes? Because I'm just saying the vigilantes, yeah, but yeah. police of this country do break the law, yes. Yeah, and so, so if you're so saying you gain access to private property yeah. 
with the support of police people, sure. then yes, then you do, break the law with the police people. Do you know? Do you know what's difficult with this conversation that mm-hmm. we're having now is that that's theory that we are now um, articulating. Mm-hmm. Theory versus real life. When theory meets real life, go into townships and spend time in the township. Those things don't exist. It is people's human rights to have electricity. It's it's a it's a basic human right to have food. Our people are living without food, sees without electricity. Let me bring it bring it back to Scana Norkia, it's Haban Tribuante. So this theory is all smart and, and amazing when it's spoken from the textbook, but it's not what reality is. So we need a government and we need law enforcement that can do better so that people like myself mustn't be questioned for the downfall of other people. It is not my problem that we have the problems that we have in the country. We you and I have inherited the, the nonsense that is in the country. We've been inherited the fact that our our old ma- uh, people if you you would know better even you lived through it mm. our, our our families and our country people have died fighting for equality now you and i and everyone else has this equality you take a picture with a white man it's a problem you are you are captured you because you've got do you know how many people <laughs> that listen to kai fm have kids that go to lily white schools and mm. and all their their their, their, their photos there are three kids in the classroom that are black and the, the rest is white are but those kids captured julius malema's kids and and most people in the EFF, their kids go to the, the, the St. David's. Voyani Pambo's child goes to St. David's. Is that kid captured? People are saying things are getting heated. Twitter's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, why are you raising your voice? Uh, but essentially, you're speaking about how the theory of criminal procedure in our country and how things actually work out on the ground uh, are very, very, very different. Yeah. So, what I'm hearing you say is that you have not got faith in our law enforcement. Is it the law enforcement that you don't have faith in or is it literally our entire justice system? Our entire justice system. Okay. Um, South Africans are not fools. We, we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also must be blamed for it because when, it, you know, when the problem comes on um, into our houses, then we also make those phone calls. Yo, Donaka is arrested. Do you know that cop? Do you know that cop? So that can't be right, you know? It mm-hmm. can't be right. So um, th- there's a lot of wrong in terms of the system. That doesn't, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have so many um, drug dealing, um, drug dealers in our communities if the systems were actually as good as we all think they are. Okay. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have all the social ills that we have. We wouldn't have a gogo being raped or gogo being being killed and people walk free because their brothers are seizure. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. So, so there's a lot of. It's tough for the people in the townships. It's really tough. Okay. And so then, if you express your discontent yeah. and your lack of faith in the justice system. Yeah. Uh, how do you go about fixing that, in your opinion? Because yeah. I would argue that if by you trying to curb what it is that you deem un- unacceptable, mm. uh, but you're also breaking the law in doing that, yeah. then you further sure. uh, putting us in jeopardy because yeah. you also, you basically know yeah. better than anybody else. What you're saying is hypothetical, right? Because there's no way we break the law. So if it's just what you're saying for the sake of conversation, then let's write. So let's speak about it hypothetically for now yeah. okay, because cool. so I do not have evidence of you breaking thank, the law okay, yet. Thank you. Yes. Because, you know, it's, it's dangerous because millions of people are listening and you have a very strong voice and influence. So when you put things in a certain way and I respond, it's, it seems as if that that is what it is. So okay. we, we need to help people understand that they're not speaking to a criminal here. We're speaking to someone who's actually standing up for the community um, and is brave enough to face the drug dealers and any other social ill, right? So, Okay, yeah. so let me just ask on that, right? Yeah. Um, I've seen videos of you, for example, praying in the streets in... 
camouflage, oh, yeah. I guess army fatigues. Yeah. Uh, just let's call it war regalia, right? Okay. Another uh, word, but it's fine. Let's use it. <laughs> but yeah. it is. Why else? No, it's fine. No, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, I mean, you, 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 you know this language called English. Yeah. And, and you know, I could, if we're playing 30 seconds now, yeah. you would give me a synonym for war regalia. Yeah. You would. So you're not but, limited yeah, but, to but the But words. when you do but that, you are you, you carrying <laughs> arms. Are you not carrying I'm, arms? I'm not carrying arms. I'm dressed in the uniform. I'm not carrying arms. But I've seen you in videos carrying arms. What? During the Maponya protest, that was the only time you've ever saw me because we were being shot at by R5s and R4s. But you're carrying the arms, dude. No, no, but you're, you're talking about one video where, where we were being shot at and okay, we had okay. to respond. So, so you're speaking about hypotheticals. Yeah. I've now given you a specific yeah. incident okay. where you were carrying yeah. arms. No, no, I get, I get rub on time. We're not arguing. Yeah. We are now saying that if you're speaking about a specific incident, make it clear so that even the listener can understand we are now addressing this situation. Okay. Let's not just confuse listeners and, and go all, all around the show. So there so, you were carrying arms. So, so by the way, there... We were all carrying arms mm-hmm. because the first night, the second night, we were shot at heavy, mm-hmm. and the military came. That's when you saw us relaxing a bit because we're already being supported and helped to defend Maponya Mode. There's never any other time, actually, under it. So, yeah. where were those arms from in that particular time? Yeah, well, everybody, everybody who was competent enough came with with their arms and carried the arms. So are these legal arms oh, or illegal arms? Oh, come on, they're illegal. I mean, even if they were not illegal, I'm, I'm an honest guy. Even if they were not illegal, I wouldn't tell you they're not illegal. So I'll tell you they're legal. But for the sake of you understanding, they are legal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then carry on. You're going to make your point? Yeah. So so um, I was saying that... Um, I was speaking about how you deal with the issue of the lack of faith. That yeah. you have in our yeah, justice so, system. So we partner with the justice system. We partner with wherever there's a problem, we must partner with it. Don't just point fingers. Mm-hmm. The same way when I think that Caesar has a problem, don't gossip about Caesar and his problem. If Caesar has a problem of of being late all the time, let me ask the brother, why are you late all the time? You know, there, there, there's some people that, that often say the appointment is at 3 and they leave at 2.30 and, mm. and it's just they just don't get it. Like you just get there even an hour before and you do your laptop work while you are there. Mm. There's zero chance of you running late because you're already there. And I talked to you about it, brother. Why are you always late? It doesn't look good and you're so talented. The last thing I want is for people just to take your punctuality and make it an issue and override, which will cl- put a dark cloud on top of your talent. But people don't do that. People want to want to do it the opposite, you see. So we partner with where the problem is. That's why we operate with the police because we know there's a problem in our police. We know our police. Some of our police members are on drugs. We know it. They live amongst us. They are our brothers. They take drugs. They sometimes they don't only take the drugs. They work for the drug dealer. Damn it. So we have to be honest if you want to take this country forward. We can't tiptoe around issues that are killing our future. The young people are dying and drowning in, in drug abuse on a daily basis. Hubli is a thing now. We've normalized Hubli. Do you know what Hubli is? Is it only the tobacco that's flavored that's put in there? No. You can mild it out. If you live in a township, you're grounded, you understand that the kids can put some weed in it and they graduate and put some nyop in it. If I come and you guys are smoking, I'm like, I will be hooked on drugs before I know. I'll be hooked into your circle because I think that I don't know what's going on because no one has told me that I'm actually smoking drugs for the last three sessions. Until you tell me, Baba, you're not going to come here and ride on our drugs okay. for free. So then, then only then I know I'm not hooked on you, I'm hooked on the drugs. Many kids, millions of kids in this country get hooked on drugs without knowing because the environment allows them. I hear that. But what I still haven't heard you say 
yeah. is you answering me how those actions of yours yeah. reintroduce the faith in the very same justice system sure. that you say you don't have faith in. Yeah. So because if anything, I'd yeah. say it undermines the justice system. No, no. When you partner with people that have weaknesses to improve them, you are very shallow to think that it's undermining of, of them. It's not. It's empowering of them. Okay, They're wait. So let me ask you this. Do you remember, again, during July... Uh, yeah. What happened in Phoenix In KZN Durban oh, yes. Yeah And by the way I just read about it Because I was caught up In my point During mm. the exact same time mm. But okay. yeah Let's so, go so. Yeah. Basically uh, The Indian community there Took it upon themselves yeah. To protect what they felt Were businesses in the area Sure uh, they also came out brandishing weapons yeah. of their own Rifles oh, yes. uh, And people ended up dying there, Yes Right The country was in an uproar yeah. Because they deem that to be unacceptable and yeah. rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you see why something like that is a problem? Yeah. So, okay. I like for everybody to judge Sizwe on what Sizwe has done, mm-hmm. not what we think he can do mm-hmm. or what he says he can do. What Sizwe has done. When you're talking to Ntantalax, you're talking to someone who doesn't have blood on his hands, mm-hmm. but who's got a lot of success cases now, communities of taking the community forward and protecting the community and the businesses in the community. So, so so what happens in Phoenix? Let's get the guys in Phoenix to tell us why they had blood in their hands and or, or whatever happened there and why they didn't work with the law enforcement. Because 99% of the time you've ever interacted with us is when, when, we, when we operate and we always have the law enforcement. So why are we stressing a, na- a narrative that suggests that we are just vigilantes and people who are clueless and just doing and singing around and killing people and, and attacking people? We've never attacked anyone. Okay. Hold that thought. So when we come back, uh, we're going to have a further discussion with Nata Lux who's joining us in the studio. Would you say you have lost all faith in leadership in the country? And by that, I mean in government structures. No, not, not in individuals. You know, okay. if, you, if you want to break it down, mm-hmm. the reason why I hate politics as a system mm-hmm. is that if I get offered a position to get into politics, I accept it. We live in a democratic country. Bonta Temulba and whoever else of that old school who has brought us to this mess in a country, they're going to outvote me all, all, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. So what would need to happen is that we would need to come with a fresh bunch of young people to change the country for real. So mm-hmm. I don't have, I haven't lost faith in in everyone because there are some people there that are fantastic that have that are principled and that actually have their hair screwed on but they unfortunately are surrounded by a lot of people who are just there for their families their friends and during july checks nothing else and so what is it that you would like to see from leadership i'd like to see leadership retire at the right age and give young people stop hogging lead, uh, positions of power it give young people in private sector the opportunity to lead these companies give young people in in politics an opportunity to take over these political parties and give young people an opportunity to get into government and run the world and run the country with fresh minds and make decisions for a future that they will be a part of because they are young right now everyone majority of the people that are there making decisions won't be there in the next 15 years actually even 10 years some of them so they will not be able to hold them accountable some of us are giving you young people we're giving birth who are in debt further debt and this debt was not taken by them you are seeing it in Soweto not only in the country that we are now owing ESCOM billions of rents and it's that debt came from Mandela and the class of Nelson Mandela. How do I am how how do I give birth to a child today and they're already in billion rand debt? Where, where must we navigate opportunity in this country if we're just being born in debt? So we need young people to take over regardless of the space. So what's your ethos then when it comes yeah. to leadership? My, leadership is about principle. Mm-hmm. But you see, um 
I want to make a, um, an example using golf, but not everyone will understand the game of golf. Um, you because it's a boring game uh, and nobody should understand it. It's a nonsense game. Never. It's like <laughs> I promise you. For me, I always tell people golf is nyaope. Once you try it, you you you're done. Like you are there the whole time. Nonsense. Listen, let me. Take and you must stay away from nyaope. They always yeah, tell you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's why <laughs> golf is. Let, let me take you to, for a round of golf, and then you come back tell the, nah, the listeners. I'm no, good. you're playing with the wrong people. I, I've never played because I know it's nonsense. It's ah, pretentious. As soon as no, everybody makes money, they feel like they're gonna go. It's nonsense. So, but so, so you you experience and consume golf from nonsense people. That's why the content of golf is nonsense to you. Come to the professional side. Okay. I'll show you a thing or two. But in any case, so um, the ethos of the, leadership. Yeah, the ethos of leadership for me is people being honest. And we don't have enough honest people. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people are honest, but they don't have the courage and they're not deliberate and intentional in making sure that they do address the issues for what they are. People are tiptoeing around the issue. Which politician have you heard addressing drugs in, in our communities? They're scared of drug dealers. Unless they are the drug dealers, someone must tell me what's going on here. How, how is it okay that every street in Soweto has got, has got a drug dealer? That every household in, the, in every black community in townships, we are affected by Nyaope. My cousin or my sister or someone, someone in my family is on Nyaope. How can that be normalized? Okay. So maybe let me get very specific then. Because be specific, yeah. we're going to run out of time. Sure. Right? Essentially, I'm sure you realize that people do need some form of leadership because majority of people are not in a position to make decisions for themselves. Would you agree with that or disagree? Um, a 50-50. Because we can't condition people to believing that they can't make decisions for their own lives and be super active citizens in their communities to empower themselves. They can. They can. But their pre-genetic disposition doesn't allow them Unfortunately. To. So we need that balance. We can't yeah. just feed them the information that they, we, they need a lax to come and make a difference. You know. Mm. So, yeah, so 50-50. So I do understand what you're saying. And so that's why people always follow a leader, even if the leader may be a charlatan. So yes. if you look at, even in uh, oh, yes. Christianity, for yes. example, yes. Uh, or let's just call it religion. Yeah. Uh, there will be a pastor, so and so, who's clearly taking advantage of people. There'll be a pro kid. Eh? There'll be a pro kid in music because he's, he happens to be better and we all follow him and he changes the style. Yeah, but the, the thing with pro is he wasn't leading people astray. The example I was yeah. trying to make was people okay. who are leading others astray. All right. Yeah. yeah. But okay, yeah, pro yeah. is another leader. Yeah. Luckily, he happens to be a good one, somebody that we can swear by, and yeah. he actually had the talent to back it up. Sure. Right. Yeah. Kaya Drive with Seasway. Monday to Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. On Kaya 959. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.